Futurismo is brought to you by the New York Marketing Seminar. Learn how you can take part at autonews.com slash seminar. It's funny that kind of as a car guy, I don't drive a car. It's a great conundrum. Greg Zulo is a 48-year-old freight broker and car fanatic in Portland, Oregon. Greg says that his family has gasoline in its blood. I learned to drive on my mother's Mustang GT, actually, uh, with manual transmission. My grandfather actually owned a Studebaker Packard Jaguar dealership, and uh, my father's personal car for for years was the dealership's uh, Jag E-Type. Like every kid my age, you know, I had a Lamborghini Countach, you know, poster. Everyone did. But now? And now I drive a, you know, three-cylinder, you know, Car to go. I have to go somewhere. Everyone's like, what happened to you, man? What did happen to Greg? If you listen closely, you may have caught the answer to his conundrum. Now I drive a, you know, three-cylinder, you know, <laughs> car to go. Car to go. You've probably seen car to go if you've been to Austin or Portland or Denver or Berlin. The car sharing service scatters distinctive blue and white two-seater smart cars across cities. For a monthly membership fee, you get access to any available car to go. You can drive anywhere in the city and leave it at your destination, paying only for the minutes driven. car to go is one of a collection of companies that includes Uber, Lyft, Zipcar, and countless others. They are all making it easier to leave your car at home, or not have a car at all. Which brings us back to Greg. He and his wife actually own one car, a Mazda, used primarily by his wife. But Greg does the majority of his driving with car to go In a perfect world, this wouldn't be the case. Listen here as Greg begins to dream, just for a moment, of an idyllic future. If I were to win the lottery, I'd probably get a garage full of, you know, great, fun, quirky cars, you know, um, because I like them so much. But right now, for what I need and what I'm doing, you know, a car sharing program is it's just perfect for what I'm doing. Paint us a picture where you think we'll be in 2025. Welcome to Futurismo, an automotive news podcast about the next 25 years in the auto industry. I know we're now into a sharing society. For our debut season, we are focusing on how personal car ownership might become a thing of the past. I am not freaking exaggerating. This is an astronomical business. Astronomical. I'm Shiraz Ahmed. And I'm China Haley. Professionalized car sharing is still a niche industry. And just to be clear, we're using the term car sharing broadly to include ride hailing, carpooling, and all of these other services. One survey on the sharing economy found that only 15% of Americans had used ride hailing services like Uber or Lyft. If these services are going to truly transform how we get around, they're going to have to promise that virtually anyone, anywhere, will be able to go carless and still get to where they need to go. In other words, for car sharing to become truly mainstream, it's going to need trailblazers to prove that promise. Today, we'll explore that decision to embrace a new form of mobility. 
So we went out and we looked for these trailblazers in unlikely places. Everything's very spread out. The, the areas that I'm in now, it's rural, it's not dense. When it's not the easiest choice. It was looming over me, the prospect that I would have to get a car in order to make it work in this city. And we discovered how this new world of car sharing is positioning to become the best solution to their problems. And Uber said we've never ever done a partnership with an entire city before. These people come from across the country, but they are united by their vision of a future without car ownership. Something Greg and his wife ponder as well. We really need the Mazda right now. We're still making payments on it. You know, $265 a month. We're still paying it down. When a person first downloads the Uber app and summons their first ride, the company calls this moment conversion. This choice seems innocuous, but if enough people take the plunge, then the way we get around will be forever transformed. So stick with us as we venture out to meet the converts to the cult of car sharing. All right, to start our search, we wanted to cast a wide net, but also limit ourselves to certain locales. In some cities like Chicago or Boston or New York City, going carless isn't that difficult. These are places where the public transport is decent or the city is walkable. We wanted somewhere so car-centric, somewhere that symbolizes the excess of America's gas-guzzling culture. Traffic, congestion, pollution, road rage. We wanted a city so famously hostile to alternative modes of transportation that there's a 1980s pop song about it. There's a new wave song from the 80s called Nobody Walks in L.A. That's right. Welcome to Hollywood. Yeah, that was sort of the chorus that people would, would say all the time when I was making my way out here. Meet Drew Bayers. I'm 35. I live in Los Angeles, and I'm a music licensing consultant. Drew went to school in Boston, where he took the local public transport everywhere. When he made the move to L.A., not having a car became a standard conversation starter. When you meet someone for the first time, there's always that element of, of surprise or astonishment when they find out, A, that I don't have a car, B, that I don't necessarily plan to get one. And Drew held out for three years, uh, four years, five years? And C, that I've made it work for 15 years. 15 years. How does he manage? Well, one, Drew says that public transport in LA isn't as bad as the headlines make it seem. Two, he zips around on scooters, a Vespa 300 to be precise. And three, he uses an assortment of, you guessed it, car sharing and ride hailing services. Over the course of 15 years in Los Angeles, Drew says he has seen the city transform. Well, I think the rideshare programs like Lyft and Uber are, are pretty revolutionary. Three of my closest friends have all had DUIs, which is just something you always have to be aware of in a, in a city that doesn't have an extensive subway system and that doesn't really run after hours. Um, nowadays, just Lyft and Uber are everywhere, and it's just changed the whole landscape, I think. This transformation in Los Angeles is happening across the country. The reason why isn't that complicated. Companies like Uber and Lyft aren't selling mobility. Really, they're selling pragmatism. They're saying, 
You don't have to pay for insurance or parking or gas. You don't have to muddle around with loose change. You don't have to worry about exhaustion or driving under the influence. We've got it covered. But there's one big hurdle the new car-sharing economy needs to overcome to become widespread. See, Drew's a natural fit for Uber and Lyft because he doesn't like cars or really driving. He told us about a recent experience using Zipcar to visit friends in nearby Orange County. At first, he looked forward to the novelty of a rare drive, but after a few hours, things started getting rough. He thought, "This is just such a strange experience. I'm inside this giant metal box that can fit about six people, but it's just me. It's hot. I can't quite figure out the AC." I'm uncomfortable. I'm sweating. I'm sitting in traffic. In other words, the joy of driving was snuffed out by the pains of driving. That's right. For many people, the reason we put up with these downsides is a deeper level of connection. That is to say, this isn't just a cut and dry story about technology shaping society. No, this this is a love story. I had a 1967 El Camino with a four-speed manual transmission. Not the stuff of grade school puppy love, but real passion with real heartache. It was one of those cars that, like, it always broke on you, but you loved it so much that you didn't want to get rid of it. Seth Sutton is a 26-year-old from Visalia, California, a rural area 200 miles north of LA where dairy farms dot the landscape. In short. It's not a place where car sharing has taken off. Everybody gets their first car at 16 in high school. Everybody's driving. I mean, you can get on the bus here, and the, the bus is never full. There's nothing that makes me more calm than just kind of driving and having the open road. I'm a very quiet person, and I like to be by myself a lot. So it's kind of kind of suits my interests. He loves driving so much he made a career out of it. Seth is a truck driver who comes from a line of truck drivers. His grandpa drove trucks for a moving carnival. His dad drove tow trucks. Seth actually learned to drive on what's known as a Class B International, a 22-foot flatbed truck. Compare that to your mother's minivan. When you're a little kid, you play with the Tonka toy tractors. I got to grow up and and do that for a living. Rural, spread out environment, check. Love the raw feel of driving, check. Seth is the perfect candidate for car ownership. Yet he's been more or less without a car for six years now. When we spoke, he was driving a car for the first time in a long time. His mother-in-law's car to run errands before a big move down to Southern California. I see. I kind of see them as a necessary evil at this point because there are things that I, I do use them for, like today. But it's just—it's a hassle to own a car. It really is. Maintenance, insurance, other drivers. Seth and his wife get around by buses and biking. But a week before we spoke, he actually tried Uber for the first time. I think it's like three twenty-five or three fifty for a day pass on the bus. So when my wife and I have to go somewhere, it's actually cheaper for us to take an Uber than it is for us to take the bus now. It. it That that one blew my mind. It blew my mind too. See, while we're talking about the potential of a critical number of people giving up cars, there's a big, big caveat. There are so many other options for mobility. 
bikes and light rail and buses, not to mention good old-fashioned walking. But we discovered, as Seth did, that car sharing in the U.S. could have a leg up in the future of mobility. Coming up, a city that's decided its vision for public transportation in the future looks a lot like Uber, after a word from our sponsor. Futurismo is brought to you by the New York Marketing Seminar. On September 20th at Cipriani Wall Street, marketing VPs from BMW, Jaguar Land Rover, and Volkswagen will talk about how they keep their messaging on target in a fast-paced marketing world. They'll share strategies for staying ahead of the curve through the creative use of rapidly changing technologies such as mobile, viral, and on-demand. Learn more and register today at autonews.com seminar. We think it is tone deaf to keep throwing more buses out on the road. That's Frank Martz, city manager of a town in Florida that has big ideas for the future of transportation. Altamont Springs, Florida, an Orlando suburb, has allocated $500,000 to cover 20% of Uber trips within city limits and 25% of trips to or from the city's commuter train station known as SunRail. While other cities have integrated car-sharing services into their public transport infrastructure, Mart says that Altamont Springs' one-year pilot program is the first to directly offer Uber services at a discount. We are not subsidizing Uber. We're actually subsidizing our own rider. And if our riders never make the choice to use Uber, it doesn't cost us a dime. But if our riders do choose to use Uber, Uber gives them their direct discount, and then they send part of our riders' bill to us. For a middle-class suburb, Mart says Uber is infinitely cheaper than the alternatives. He adds that building a mile of road costs tens of millions of dollars. Residents are latching on to the idea. We have recognized the world changed, and in order for us as a public sector government to serve our residents, we have to recognize our residents want convenience. The interest doesn't end there. Mart says he's been getting nonstop calls from cities across the nation inquiring about the program. Altamont Springs has tapped into a popular new idea. Instead of rivaling public transit, car sharing services can complement them and become a cost-efficient part of how the public gets around. A 2016 study commissioned by the American Public Transportation Association found that sharing services are directly cutting in on how much people drive personal cars. The study surveyed 4,500 shared mobility consumers across seven major U.S. cities. These are people who use services that run the gamut from buses to car and bike sharing to walking. 30% of those surveyed reduced their usage of personal cars to commute. 22% used their cars less for errands. More interesting is that 20% said they postponed buying a car, 18% decided not to purchase one, and 21% sold one and didn't replace it. If this takes off across the nation, from Los Angeles to Orlando, it could be a tipping point for the sharing economy. The people we spoke with who don't own cars all said it was temporary, that even if they wanted to, they couldn't sustain it in America. But that could change. We spoke with two roommates in Baltimore, Maryland, who say they would like to go carless for as long as it is feasible. You know, I've told myself, like, I don't necessarily need a car for 10 years. My name is Brian Schwartz. I live in Baltimore, Maryland. 
And I'm Ben Plata, and I'm Brian's roommate in Baltimore. We live in the Station North area. Brian and Ben are the first to say that they are lucky. They have a third roommate, Ben Snowden, who owns a car. They all work for the same company, and they carpool for their commute. So the men understand the value of cars and are very much the product of suburbia. Says Shorts, "You traveled almost exclusively by car, and getting your license was basically freedom." And I drove a '97 Saturn SL2 with a sunroof. It was it was awesome. I called it the Silver Stallion. Brian and Ben fit the mold of the type of customer car sharing companies are eyeing. They're in their 20s, tech savvy, and are averse to the complexity of car ownership. Shorts told us he even almost got a car from his grandfather, but when he looked into it, it was like going to be a whole thing about I'd have to find like pay for parking, get insurance, and there just there was this whole list of things that came with this you know freedom of having a car that I just wasn't willing to take on at this juncture. I think I'm in the same boat as Brian in that like. Even if、uh, we weren't graced with Snowden in our lives, you'll recall Snowden is their roommate with the car. We weren't graced with Snowden in our lives. I think that I would still likely go for a zip car or, or some other solution before having to deal with all the things you have to deal with、uh, owning a car. That reluctance is key. See, right now Ben and Brian acknowledge that they would get a car when it becomes necessary. Say when they have families, but with the future of mobility being in question, who knows when that could be?、Uh, it's it's pretty much just it, what what do I have at my disposal? Where I am? Where do I need to go? And if I'm in the suburbs, I pretty much need to have a car at this point.、Um, but hey, who knows? In twenty years, if、uh, yeah, if Elon Musk and the, <laughs> the Hyperloop、uh, get going or driverless cars, you know, maybe the the whole idea of car ownership changes. Maybe the whole idea of car ownership changes. Suddenly, the business models of companies that have been around for generations are thrown into question, all mostly due to small startups that were basically unknown a decade ago. Who are these companies? The Ubers and Lyfts and dozens of other small sharing firms changing our relationship with cars. If the people we heard from today are living the conversion, who are the ones leading it? In other words, who's in the driver's seat? Next week on Futurismo. This is where the revolution starts. Your car is only used less than an hour a day. That's a total waste. We figured there just there had to be a better way. There are fundamental economic reasons why people are doing this. People's pocketbooks are talking. Today's episode was produced by myself, Shiraz Ahmed, and me, China Haley. We were edited by Richard Johnson and executive produced by Tom Warback. Support Futurismo by subscribing through your regular podcast app. Subscribers also get the perk of hearing the latest episode days in advance. For instructions on how to subscribe, go to autonews.com/podcast. If you have any thoughts or suggestions for us, or just want to say hi, send an email to futurismo@autonews.com. That's f u t u r i s m o at autonews dot com. Futurismo is a podcast from Automotive News, the leading publication in covering the auto industry. Check out our reporting online at www dot autonews dot com, and follow us on Twitter at automotive underscore news.
Thanks for listening, and we'll chat with you next week on Futurismo.